You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. Mark Drulo, if forgive me if I've got that wrong, Mark, and uh, and Zoran Selokovic, Selokovic, and forgive me if I got that wrong as well, Zoran, and uh, these are two, it's rep- okay, you got it. <laughs> two representatives from Yacht Aid Global, which uh, regular listeners will know we've had on the station before, but not these two gentlemen, and of course, our host, our hostess with the most S. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Kitty the one who can't stop talking through the intros, right, Dave? Oh, Kitty, I, I can imagine, God forbid, the day comes when they're nailing that coffin, that you will be still talking inside. And like, if she did, well, I'm just so excited. <laughs> she did. I'm no, instead, we're, still talking. We started the year out with such a bang, with such great guests. Yeah. And this week is definitely not going to... Um, Definitely not going to leave anybody uh, sad because this this group from Yachty Global, uh, I'm really excited to have Mark, who's uh, been in, um, I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years as the founder and executive director of Yachty Global. And Zorin is also currently sits on the board of directors mm-hmm. for USSA as well um, as one of our at large board members. And if you have not heard about the incredible work that Yade Global does all over the world, which thus the name global, um, then you've been living under a rock. And so, you know, it's, it's nice to hear um, everyone talks about the, the yachters being, you know, this, the, you know, the scourge one percenters, but when you see the tremendous things and I know we're on radio, so we have to kind of tell the story visually the pictures of what they are able to do and have done under such extraordinary circumstances. Uh, it gives me such tremendous pleasure to have them join us on the show today, Dave. I was actually, I was explaining to, um, it is two of the twins' daughters' uh, birthdays today. Um, oh, well, happy birthday. Yeah, two what our, number is this for them? Well, two of our four girls are twins. One is turning nine years old today, and the other is turning 17 years old today. Oh. So we, we call them the twins. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, nice. wow, that was like an interesting uh, birth development there. Uh, well, we don't like to rush nine things. Nine and 17. We, hmm. don't, we don't like to rush things, and... You know, Coco was enjoying in vitro so much, she decided, I'm not in a hurry to get out of here. It's warm and cozy. But I was explaining to her, and, and you know, obviously we do want to talk to our guests at some stage, but it's nice to talk with you, Kitty. Uh, we were explaining to them um, about Yachty Global, and what I was saying was that what, one, of, uh, one of the things about the, the super yacht world, uh, from a destination's point of view, is that boats tend to gravitate to the nicest, warmest, tropical places. Unfortunately, these places uh, tend to be the ones that attract hurricanes and cyclones. And that super yachts tend to be in situ. They tend to be actually on the scene of a disaster when it happens, by matter of fact that this is where super yachts tend to gravitate to. 
And so they can be the first there to set up communications, to offer you know, immediate help where, where possible, and and to, to form a, a communications hub. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the beauties of the Super Yacht community is that we, we're, we're there and people like Yore Global are prepared to lend a hand and get stuck in and other super yachts that get involved. So, enough for me. Never, never enough from you, Kitty. Let's I know, but, but, let's, but so like, why don't we say, uh, Mark, um, uh, what, what was, you know, I was like, I mean, clearly you have a love for the ocean and, and, and the, and the sailing and, and all things water. What is what inspired you just to start this, uh, yacht a global program. Okay, well, thank you. First of all, Kitty, thank you so much for having us on the air. We greatly appreciate it. And we would not be sitting here talking unless it was for um, the huge thanks to everybody that's ever been involved with Yacht A Global. Um, volunteers, donors, captain and crew, and partners all over the world. So we're, we're sitting here talking today because of that network that has propelled us to this point, essentially. So um, I spent 20 years working at sea on luxury yachts around the world, starting small on 30-foot sailboats, you know, having to pay for passage across the ocean, up to being the captain of a 33-meter motor yacht. And I spent 10 years working as between deckhand, first officer, and engineer. And then my last 10 was as the captain of the motor yacht, Dorothea, when we did a 10-year circumnavigation. And it was mainly during that, that 10 years as, as captain, as we cruised around to a lot of very remote areas where your experiences are basically happening because of the care and feeding of the captain, crew, and guests from the local people. And many times, most times, these local people hardly have anything. And when I finished up my time at sea and moved ashore in San Diego in 2006, I was looking at ways to be corporately socially responsible with a new business that I had started. And I wanted to give back directly to those communities that I had connected with around the world and could not find anything. And literally one morning I woke up, it was May 5th, 2006, and I realized that the agency that we had started is working with super yachts that are going into the Pacific to all these areas that I want to connect with. So that, that was essentially the spark that that started Yachty Global. It was twofold. Number one, the experiences out there cruising in the world. And number two, realizing that this network of luxury yachts cruising in the world is essentially a pipeline that's in place to move things, whether it's aid or water or um, aid workers, disaster relief workers. It's an existing network that just has to be tapped to be used. So that's that's how it all started. And I, I hope that answered your question. Could I ask Mark when a disaster happens? Just just from a, a kind of process point of view. So, you know, let's say you, you're aware there's a hurricane coming into a particular area. You, you, with with our uh, meteorologists today, there tends to be you know advanced notice, so you know something bad's coming in that area. When does the process of Yachted Global, you know? But when you kick in the process, uh, uh, what are those steps? 
you know, do you do preparation work or is it just that you, do you wait till aftermath and then go, oh, cop, they need our help? Or do you do preparatory work and say, okay, this situation is going to occur in three days' time, a hurricane is going to hit uh, Antigua, God forbid, or whatever. And let's put these very, very good questions. Yeah, very good questions. And it'll be a twofold answer because I'll, I'll say a few things and I'll pass it over to Zoran, who's our director of operations and strategy, who is deeply involved in that aspect of everything. So as what we experience is um, on the disaster relief side, every disaster is different. And there's basic rules of thumb that we can apply between disasters, how they actually unfold and what we do as an organization, there's really, it's really, really difficult to predict. So there's certain things that we do to prepare to be ready for that. Number one is that the, the ground truth network. So people that we know ashore in these high risk disaster relief areas, we already have communications with them. And if, if there's a disaster, a slow onset disaster, like a hurricane that's coming, um, it gives us time to, to reach out to these partners and figure out, okay, this is what's coming. This is what we think is going to happen. Here's the, the rules of thumb we've developed based on this type of disaster that's coming. How can we get, how can we get ready for that? There's, yeah, it's very complicated, but that, that's the kind of the high level 30,000 foot view. I'll pass it over here to Zorn. He can give you a few more details on it. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, it's all about preparation um, and then timely response. So as Mark mentioned, establishing communications prior to the storm, prior to the impact, um, doing some modeling to understand what uh, what the percentage uh, portion population may be impacted based on uh, projection models of the storm approaching the island or, or the area, and then establishing a protocol to have communications after the storm, which, you know, including planning for the fact that, you know, cell towers may be down and so forth. So it's about preparation, it's about planning, um, reaching out to the uh, yachts that might be in the region, uh, seeing who is available to engage, um, who has, um, uh, you know, what type of plans so that we can plan out how they can uh, respond. And then after the storm passes, uh, immediately, again, talking with the contacts, um, and establishing communications with the uh, National Disaster Management Office uh, even prior to the storm, but confirming those communications after the storm. So we work uh, in close coordination with um, National Disaster Management Offices for each country. They are the ones who the government, local government, tasks to organize the response to, to help people. Could I ask? And sorry, so we do it. Sorry, yeah. sorry if I interrupted, but could I ask, is it a case that I mean, are you on these guys' speed dial, or is it the case that you contact them first and say, you know, hi, I'm Zoran, I'm with Yoni Global, we have boats in, in, in that area calling us to, you know, to be part of this uh, um, rescue operation, or uh, do they call you and go, do you have any boats here? We may need them. It goes both ways. Uh, depends on if we've been already engaged in the region before. Um, and how we respond. So in the case of Caribbean, Bahamas, parts of South Pacific, uh, we're well known. Um, you know, like if there's an earthquake in Ecuador, for instance, may not be as commonly engaged area, but we've responded there as well. 
So it depends really of history with a particular um, uh, area and if they've seen us in action. So once they learn our capabilities, they go like, yes, this is amazing. But if they're not aware of our capabilities, um, then we're usually the ones to reach out to them. Okay. I mean, as you, you know, as you guys had said at the beginning, I mean, you've now been doing this for a number of years. So there's, you know, you've kind of, I believe, developed these patterns and protocols, understanding that some of the first needs, the most immediate needs are things like water, communications, perhaps shelter, um, food, um, and, and, and food that is not going to perish, you know, you know, it's the, the non-perishable types of things. Um, so and that, do you, you know, get those things or store those types of things in mass, uh, in warehouses and things. So you have easy accessibility to a lot of those things or how, how do you do, how do you deal with a lot of that stuff and how do you acquire these types of, um, supplies on such short notice? Yeah, Kitty, so, um, I think another two-part answer. I'll go first. So, Yadi Global, over time, this network that we've developed around the world of other organizations that do disaster relief work, there are literally thousands of tons of disaster relief aid sitting around the world in warehouses being stored, ready for use. And we are we are in that network and have access to that aid. We do not own assets. We do not have a warehouse. We do not have an office with a call center with a bunch of people sitting at a desk. We're super lean, super efficient. And we tap into existing systems to make what we do work. It's a very um, different way of doing disaster relief because historically a lot of disaster relief is exactly how you described it. It's, you know, warehouse aid sitting around and needs, needs trains and ships and helicopters to actually move the aid. Well, we don't have any assets, but we know enough about what the needs are and where the assets are that we bridge that gap of knowledge. We connect everything and just make it happen. So, and again, for the finer details, over to, over to Zorn, because we have some very current things going on that, that speak directly to what you're asking about. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think you do. Uh, well, and, and because of that, Mark, I think doesn't that allow you guys to kind of cut through some of the traditional red tape that hamstrings a lot of these types of disaster relief organizations because you you don't have to uh, you don't have to have to manage all of that stuff you're able to act more quickly and quickly yes that's exactly right um kitty the last mile logistics of reaching the remote communities is is a, is a challenge and that's where yachts make a big difference so in case of like now in fiji uh, it was less than 12 hours after the storm passed that uh, one of the uh, yachting programs had a seaplane and a yacht uh, locally. We were able to um, uh, engage them and include them into our integrated maritime and air operations. And um, within 24 hours, we had uh, con um, conducted aerial surveillance with the seaplane, passed information to the government, Fiji, uh, their NDMO office received approval to begin the tasking. We sourced the aid from uh, Ministry of uh, Agriculture, Ministry of Education, a couple other partners on the ground. We found out what the gaps were because, to your point, these warehouses have food and maybe tarps and mosquito nets. 
but they may be lacking, for instance, food for infants because they don't store that in mass. They may be uh, lacking um, diapers for elderly. Well, they don't store those in mass. And that's where Yare Global will come in and fill in those gaps. That's why we raise funds. We ask for uh, public and private donations because we see those gaps and we can source that aid. Sometimes we purchase it. Sometimes we ship it in from elsewhere in the world so we can take it on board a yacht and take it um, to ground zero. And within 48 hours of the storm passing, uh, the yachts were reaching the most remote islands of the northern division of Fiji, delivering the aid, um, clearing the ground for helicopter landings for medevacs, for um, uh, medics to fly in to treat people on the ground. And the crew did amazing work. So this is the work performed by yachts across the islands with our help and coordination and, and uh, conjoint efforts. On, on super yachts, it's it's very typical to find. In fact, I, I think it's 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 standard to find um, quite a decent medical kit um, that goes beyond just first aid. You you, t- you tend to have um, you know epipens and a, a whole host of things for you know uh, immediate response sh- should a guest need it. Um, are you allowed to bring that into play in? in um, offering medical triage to people, you know, being that you're on site and if you find people who are injured, uh, it would take some time to get a doctor there. Can you use this equipment and are you allowed to administer it to, you know, non-guests or or, or local communities? You know, that's a good question. That's very delicate. So most countries around the world have very strict protocol about and definitions of practicing medicine in their country. Mm-hmm. So aside from dressing a wound, you know, putting, cleaning the wound and dressing it, that's a very, very delicate topic. Yeah, I'm very, very sensitive to that because there's been so much misuse of medical practice around the world. Um, but with that said, one of the things that we always work on is um, pre-planning with boats about type of crew on board that want to, and if a vessel wants to engage in disaster, if it comes up, and if there is a, like a registered nurse on board or a doctor or EMT, then presenting that information to the countries where the boat's going and get them medical, medically approved to actually do certain things if there is a need that comes up. It's not an easy process. It's quite difficult, and we actually, we're, we're dealing with that in Fiji just a couple of weeks ago. Okay, see what happens, Kitty, when Maeve's not around? <laughs> we get into these very delicate questions. Yeah, it never happens when she's here, does it? Uh, I know. No, <laughs> not uh, well, I, but I mean, but I imagine it would, and especially nowadays with telemedicine having become such a, a critical part of, you know, especially during this pandemic of, of covid that it 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 become much more accepted. So I and a lot of the yachts are utilizing that type of technology as well. So that mm-hmm. that's gotta be able to assist in those in those ways as well. But I mean so tell me what's um I mean what's happening now? I mean clearly there's always something going on somewhere in the world. Um what are you guys uh, what crisis are you guys uh, managing at the moment? Very good question. And as with everybody on the planet, the COVID crisis has impacted us quite heavily. What 
we would normally be doing is engaging various yachts around the world in a very hands-on manner doing things. But that quickly changed where everybody's in their own bubble. So we, in, in 2020, we have active programs that we've been doing things um, very successfully in the Bahamas, Nicaragua, Mexico, Ecuador, Fiji, and Vanuatu. And we quickly realized that our method of operations had to focus on in-country contacts because at one point in the Bahamas, um, currently in Fiji and Vanuatu, those, those places, there's no travel into those areas. So when that, that cyclone hit Vanuatu, uh, Fiji just before Christmas last year, um, about that same time, the news came out of the UK strain of the virus and the country's borders were, were now closed. So no disaster relief workers are going into Fiji at all. So using our in-country contacts, we were able to successfully create um, very, very effective uh, projects that are still going. Yeah, I wouldn't have even and, thought about that. I mean, you know, you kind of would say, in, in my mind, you know, okay, we have a disaster. We have, you know, 20,000 people, you know, without food, water, or power. And now we have all these resources that are just waiting and no, whoops, sorry, can't come in. Cause uh, even, yeah. you know, you, that we can't help our people yeah. because of, of crazy COVID and surely that they, you know, there has to have been some way of dealing about that, but it, it's, I, it, the, the amount of red tape, that often hamstrings um, relief is just mind boggling to me. I know um, you guys were very active um, with the, the Bahamas um, before COVID with that terrible hurricane that just sat over the Northern Bahamas and churned and churned and churned and destroyed so much of that area. Um, and there are so many uh, amazing photos of the work that you get, guys did there. Um, I wonder if you're going to ch- touch on that some and, and what you were able to accomplish and, and walk through some of the challenges that you faced, but, but were able to successfully overcome. Sure. Yeah, we can, we can um, touch on that. And, and we'll get back there to the type of operation. Um, like Mark said, in Fiji, we had to do a hybrid there were actually um, a handful of vessels that were in country had cleared in following the protocol. So we, we could partner and the yachts and crew could make that impact. Um, in, in case of Bahamas, um, we had 12 super yachts involved during the media disaster relief phase and hundreds of, of smaller um, craft. Uh, but yeah, leading up to that storm, three, four days prior, as we watched uh, the projections, we reached out to to our contacts on the ground, partners, and captains. And um, um, Captain Paul of Maria Loon responded, and they immediately engaged in aftermath of the storm. Um, they were first to the ground zero, Marsh Harbor, um, <clears throat> bringing with them search and rescue teams, uh, critical communications. Uh, the first footage that was coming out of northern Bahamas was being uh, transmitted via Moria Loon. Uh, they had, I think, a total of 28 people aboard at one point, search and rescue teams that were out there conducting the work and um, did amazing work from um, 
to medevacs, uh, you know, bringing food, water, medicine to many keys that were um, impacted by the storm, um, enabling the airport to be opened up uh, so that new aid could fly in, and really laid the groundwork for what um, follow-on work was to be um, engaged in, you know, facilitating thousands of um, evacuees to leave the islands uh, into more safer space. Um, we actually had a so that was work on last week, and he touched on uh, touched on the effort. Excellent, yeah. Now that was just a fantastic response from the yachting community and everybody who who jumped in, uh, and and that was just the beginning. Um, the community continues to be engaged there. Uh, we we continue to be working very closely with the schools across the Abacos and North, um, Grand Bahamas. Uh, every few months, uh, we put the effort together to send over supplies. Uh, schools are impacted, but we're impacted by storms and now by COVID. And so we continue to provide support, educational support for, for the schools with uh, teaching supplies, um, kids who don't have access to um, uh, internet and such. We, we look for ways to support them with the remote learning. So it's an ongoing effort, um, and that's what we call our engagement operations. So they're not projects. They don't start and finish. We're, this is Operation Topaz. It's our commitment to support Bahamas could, in I, their um, sustainable development. Could, hmm? could I ask, Soren, in, in, uh, in a situation where you have a disaster like we saw there, do you jump onto to marine traffic and kind of go, oh, okay, there's these other yachts there. Let's contact them and see if they can help us out. Or do you just rely on boats that are already part of the Yachty Global um, Relief Effort, they've already signed up to it? Or do you yeah. know that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we have a, a procedure for involvement is uh, several steps. One is we always know where the yachts are that we work with more closely, uh, but we also are um, uh, connected with yacht agents through uh, AYSS, um, as well as agents who, who are you know part of other networks. And we're collaborating, so we're asking who you're working with, uh, you know, that we may not be aware of, and um, seek permission to contact uh, the vessels, and just really broaden their reach to just see who can respond. Um, you know, we respect the fact that uh, yachts have things to do, um, but those who are available, they uh, to engage, they, they respond. Yeah. Uh, and so, with that, sorry, no, I was going to ask. But with that initial engagement, I presume that the owner of the vessel has to give their approval, or is it a case that there's the the, the rule of the the ocean, or the the law of the sea, is that yeah, there's an obligation to um, to help survivors? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, so we work with the captain to, and we have a protocol again to um, do a quick walkthrough and assessment of um, capabilities of the vessel and how they could engage. And that includes, of course, the, the captain working with the owner to review that. And we help with the risk assessment and so forth. So there's a protocol we go through. I mean, we respect the fact that these are big, shiny boats and uh, they, they get a lot of attention. They could get a lot of attention. So we ensure that it's done by the rules of international nonprofit engagement with the government approval. And with the owner's approval, uh, so that everything is done by the book. And one of the the, the most visual and happy stories um, that uh, that came out of the 
uh, the Bahamian uh, operation was the movement of all of those dogs. Um, I mean, I, 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 I mean, there was a whole bunch of dogs that, you know, I mean, it was a terrible storm and a lot of them got left or separated from families or, oh. um, and that they, they restructured the entire, uh, bottom pass, you know, floor of the boat to transport all these dogs to the United States and yeah. seeing the pictures of that. I mean, you talk yeah. about heartwarming. I know it sounds silly, but it's, it's those, those happy feel good moments that, that people can kind of mm-hmm. buy into and you have and to forgive support. me, Kitty. You'll have to forgive me. The first thing I'm thinking of is teak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Uh, the, the the captain crew of Moria Laura, uh, they did amazing work. Um, but it's a great example of what one uh, one yacht can do. Um, and we collaborated, um, but they took the they took the initiative to reach out and to say, "We're here. We're available. What can we do?" And you know, we can turn into something great like this, or we can just turn into a, a meet and greet. So the next time um, we know each other and we're ready to engage. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to teak or other things, again, we have a procedure. We share with the captain how to turn that yacht into a into a disaster response platform to to make sure the owner knows that listen we're going to take care of the yacht we'll cover up things we'll put the flooring down that's going to ensure that the teak decks are not scratched and that um, nothing is going to do you know happen to a yacht and that's important for everybody's peace of mind yeah you know? of course uh, so um, yeah no i do understand i've just been on yachts with dogs on it and i was like oh god what are you doing yeah, that's, that's just, uh, and especially since these crews work so hard, um, having worked on a yacht myself as well as um, at Mark and Zoran, just to, you know, Dave also spent some spent some time aboard as well. And, you know, you, you're working so hard to keep everything so um, Bristol that, you know, you're kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, it's like heels and, and nails of, of animals, you know, scratching up my decks. Like, <laughs> But it, that doesn't happen, and that's where it's. It, that's that was kind of like one of the things I'm saying is that it, it, you guys, it's not. They it, it, it take such um, pride and care um, of the vessels, which brings these vessels back to you guys time after time. You know, it's typically- a very, it's a very intimidating environment to work on because uh, I, I used to put in the the VSAT and the and the IT system, so I'd be working on the interior. And because of the level uh, of cleanliness and, and detailing that goes on, the slightest little speck that would be left by me would just scream out. Mm-hmm. So um, I found that the most stressful part of working there was making sure I left no mess. But of course, in a disaster situation, this is really the the last thing you want to be thinking of. The, the... And, 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 and if Maeve were here, she'd be saying... He's clearly gotten over that because yeah, making a mess now is your full-time job, right? Well, my, my response to her would be detail like they do on the yachts, and I'll make sure I don't leave a mess. <laughs> I'm glad we're having you this know, conversation. On the operation <laughs> side for these boats that want to engage in disaster relief, it's, it's very interesting and a huge learning curve for the captain and crew that haven't done it before. Because human nature, you think of it, oh, I 
I'm, I'm running a big yacht. The crew all agree, let's volunteer to go into this disaster and do something. What they, what they can lose folks, focus on sometimes is, hey, we can make this work, but you guys got to remember that who's going to take care of the yacht? You, you, you all have your normal job to do. And um, we find ways, as long as it's safe, to insert the crew into actually doing hands-on help that, that um, stays true to the fact that everybody still has their job on the yacht. So we, a few times we find folks that kind of lose focus in that fact. Yeah, you can get wrapped up in it. It would be very um, easy to do, you know, when if you, you come upon a scene, I'm, I, I was a volunteer here, um, not on a yacht, after um, Hurricane Andrew decimated um, South Miami and Homestead. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it looked like a bomb had gone off. I mean, there were no roads, there was no streets. I mean, it was extraordinarily disorienting. And and all you see is how much needs to happen and how much needs to get done. So, I mean, like you said, Mark, it is human nature if you're of that kind of personality where you want to help that you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much for us to do. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that you still have your job. And that yeah, your full-time right. job is not to, and especially if you see people and animals or things in distress, you're, you know, you're going to drop everything and, and do everything you can to help. Um, so that's a really, right. really good point. You know, another uh, point tied into that, Kitty, is uh, what you said, the scale and scope of what we see going on. So we recently had an internal discussion at Yachty Global. Um, about the sustainable development goals by the UN, they are decades behind schedule because the scale and scope of the issues is grow- are growing and the progress towards satisfying the goals is not meeting the milestones. And, and we take a, a lot of our direction from analyzing the sustainable development goals and picking certain things that we can do that are going along this right path. And we always have to remember that my gosh, if we just help one person, because that a lot of the places we go are off the beaten track. These people might not might not receive any aid unless we go in and help them. So just that one person that that we're posit- positively impacting, that just that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to play our own little part. So it's yeah, you know, again the the scale and scope of what we see going on in these disasters. We just have to focus on what we do best and pick out those those things that we can we we can actually do. And it gets very emotional for all of us when we're diving deep into this disaster relief work. I, I bet that would be a challenge, and that you, you're like, I wish we could do more. Um, but but getting also across the point that what you're doing is still extraordinarily valuable and very helpful and. Um, how do you recruit um, and and train vessels to participate in your types of programs? By word of mouth, uh, is very it good. like captains. Yeah, very good question. Or? It's it's very organic, um, but hybrid of, of pretty much everything, and because of um, the agency that I have in San Diego we're very, very deeply involved with the secret industry. And 
we know most of the boats that are cruising in the Pacific already where most of the, of the disasters happen. But it, it's, a, it's a whole variety of ways that, that boats contact us. And, you know, we have plans for the future on how to get better at what we're doing um, with formalized training and bringing boats into the fold, so to speak, into, into the fleet and uh, being better prepared. And also um, asking yachts to engage, you know, before the storm. I mean, it doesn't have to be a storm response. So our mission is to provide unified disaster relief, humanitarian aid, and conservation across coastal communities. And um, that word unified is important because many coastal communities, island nations are fragile in the best of times. And so... You know, when, as you think of how you respond to a uh, disaster relief, you could trash the island if you don't approach it in a sensible way uh, and cause all kinds of um, conservation issues down the line. So mm-hmm. Yacht is an incredibly powerful platform for that unified response. But we have a number of uh, what we call blue skies initiatives, meaning not disaster relief responses, uh, where yachts can engage and learn how to work together and find out what works best for, for the Yacht program and for Yachty Global. Uh, just a few call-outs, um, just a great examples of some successes that Yachting community accomplished within the last year or two. Uh, first public library at the Galapagos uh, was stood up by the Yachting community. Uh, there's 8,000 um, school-age children, almost 40,000 people that live in Galapagos that didn't have a library. And we partnered with um, local authorities and reached out to yachts that were passing through Galapagos, um, frequently visited grounds, and that brought over more than 2,000 books, computers. Um, now we have a full-time librarian that's running a building, it's a library, for the local community that establishes stronger connection with the region. So if there's a disaster, again, we know how to respond in the most efficient, effective way. Uh, similarly, um, uh, right now in Vanuatu, where storms have passed through and caused a lot of damage, the island community is responding from afar. It's not currently possible to cruise Vanuatu, but many artists that visited, they know those islands, they know those villages, they're asking what can they do to help. And um, we're rebuilding preschools, uh, we're um, uh, setting up uh, clean water access points for the communities that had their infrastructure damaged. So there are ways to engage and do work around the world without having to be there uh, uh, directly, especially in this time where lockdowns are preventing us to reach those areas. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, has um, has that made it more challenging, not only for getting into countries, but for yacht owners not wanting necessarily their vessels um, having a lot of extra people on board because of COVID. And, um, you know, it's been that it's the yacht. There's not really a better way to socially distance or get away from the, you know, all the challenges on land, uh, except on a yacht. So is, has that limited you guys somewhat this, this, this past year because of COVID or. You know, another great question. Yes. Yes. Lots of great questions from, (laughs) from my perspective. At the beginning of last year, it did, but we figured out how to how to adapt, and the whole COVID crisis has actually made us a better organization because we has forced us to maximize 
utilization of the on-ground resources we have in all these countries. And if you read on the history of Cyclone Harold, Harold that hit Vanuatu in early April, Category 5, complete destruction in a lot of places, the, the general information from the government is that Vanuatu, who has historically relied on huge volumes of international aid to help with, with disasters, they are better off now because they had to handle it internally. They had no outside assistance and had to figure it out as a country on their own. And, you know, huge, huge uh, positive progress within Vanuatu on that. So, and, and it's the same thing that we've experienced. You know, we've gotten very, very good at, at figuring out what are our in-country resources around the world. We don't want to have to ship things in across international borders or have boats arrive from international far easier and more efficient to use in-country assets. And what I, I you just honestly gave me goosebumps to think about that. I mean, at some point when you're able to, to work within, like you're saying with Vanuatu, you know, the local assets to train them up and to empower them mm. to figure out how to pull themselves up and not always be expecting others to bail them out. Um, that's, that's very powerful. Well, it is, Kitty, and but what's really going on all over the world is there's small grassroots organizations that are mostly invisible. Mm-hmm. Unless you really put the time and effort into finding those organizations, they'll, they'll just remain invisible. They're poised and ready. Our recent engagement in Vanuatu is basically a disaster relief home run, and the on-ground resources were mostly invisible. Some... Uh, organizations we have prior history working with, but boy, did they step up and do things really, really well, highly successful. Yeah. Well, what yeah. would you guys say is, was your, your other than say, mm-hmm. you just, I think you kind of just answered my question with Vanuatu. What would you say was your, your most, were the one where that, the most pro, uh, successful overall program where you guys left going, daggone it, we really, kicked that one out of the park. We really made massive amounts of difference. You know, that, that one that you're especially way. proud of. Yeah. Well, I'm well, sure, yeah. We, I'm sure we both have our own experiences with this, but Zoran, you can go first and then I'll follow. Okay. Well, we never talked about this, like what's number one, right? And it may be depending on the criteria you want to use, but Vanuatu was amazing response. Uh, but I'd say just recently being topped by response in Fiji. Uh, it, was a, it was a great hybrid response. Uh, this, Mark, was just talking about this contactless, if you will, disaster response um, that's evolving uh, internationally. And we were able to carry out the, the hybrid. So with um, a few yachts in the region and then partnering with the um, uh, local resources and really accelerating what would have been done maybe a little more slowly, reached more people faster with initial relief, just so people have food and water and medicine, Mm -hmm. and then follow up very quickly with um, transitioning to recovery. So delivering, uh, you know, seedlings and seeds so people can replant the gardens, fishing gear so they can get back on the feet faster. Um, I think it's been a pretty amazing response. So for my vote, it would be be Fiji. And Mark? Mark, So from, yeah, from my perspective, I'm very, very fond of a place called Puerto Escondido in mainland Mexico in the state of Oaxaca. It's down 
south of Acapulco. And it's a place where it doesn't have any real super yacht traffic, but there's several super yachts a year that go there. And it's very famous for surfing. I'm a surfer. And I've been there many times since the late 80s um, on through now. And also the super yacht skipper has been there and anchored and been hosted by the locals. So about three years ago, I had um, a desire to, what can we really do to help the people of Puerto Escondido? So where we are now in Puerto Escondido, we have very active, we have a full-time Yachty Global person in Puerto Escondido, and we're focusing on clean water access. So we have what we call water depots that are installed in schools, um, various locations that are, as we speak, supplying thousands of people a day with their their free, clean drinking water. In the state of Oaxaca, there's approximately 12,000 schools that have all, all of them have the same issue. So wh- what we're doing in Puerto Escondido, um, there's other things uh, that we're doing as well as far as data analysis and collection and trying to figure out other ways that we can help the locals. And um, it's kind of a test bed for a lot of things that we will be doing to develop the concepts and mythology and the process and verify it all works and then roll it out to other places on the planet. And yeah, I'm just super fond of that area and, and the whole Yada Global team and everybody involved can be very proud of, of what we've created there. It's very, very interesting. Can I ask Mark, where, where, where do you get the money for that kind of thing? How do you raise um, cash for these? Well, um, I'll have uh, Zorn take that one. <laughs> yeah, that treasurer, speak up. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> good question. So people who, who support us, uh, who believe in us, see the work, see the results. It's a virtuous cycle. So we have um, we receive support uh, and contributions from general public who, who follow us on social media and our website. Um, and then the, the yachts that pass the region and they, they really say, hey, what can we do? You know, we've left or we're leaving or maybe we've never been there, but we're hoping to get there. What can we do? When you say, and, the, when you say um, the yacht, so are you saying that the, the crew themselves donate money or the owner of the boat donates money? We've had all of the above, really. I mean, the owners uh, uh, will, will obviously uh, make an impact with their donation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the captain and crew uh, have had a uh, you know fundraising initiative themselves. It's so inspiring to see them do that because that's who Yachty Global is. It's no Mark mm-hmm. and I uh, and a couple other people. It's every yacht that decides to engage to be part of this mission and cause to uh, give back across the communities that we cruise and enjoy. So uh, the crews have you know uh, taken portion of their tips and pass them on to us. So we said, okay, here's we're going to use it. And we report back with pictures. So we show them that the tips that you've, you know, this deferred, uh, you've given up. Yeah, um, that's how it's going. I'm just looking at the clock here. You know, it's amazing how quick an hour can go. I'm sorry, Mark, you you're going to say something? Yeah, just real quick. So on the fundraising side, we're extremely strong believers in that fundraising from within the CPR community really needs to stay within the community. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it then becomes a closed loop, right? We're, we have the notions that flow in that then flow back out to support those communities that host yachts. 
and it just it builds on itself. The positive feedback loop just keeps growing. Yeah. When money gets raised within the industry and it flows out, when it's a linear flow, it goes out and it dead ends and it doesn't really have any positive feedback to the industry itself. Okay. Good thing is is that it doesn't take a lot. Of, I mean, you guys have been tremendously successful as you as we've talked about today about taking even small donations and and being able to partner those with other local resources or other organizations. So every every little bit helps guys out there who are listening. You can go to their website yacht and it's one yacht aid aid global um, dot org. And I mean, at anything from $10 on up is, is going to be making a massive difference to somebody. And especially in our industry, this is an easy and very visible way of giving back to the communities that we, that we all get to enjoy, that we all make money off of. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just think that it's a, it's a wonderfully worthwhile organization. I've, you know, been very blessed to have had a lot of interaction with you guys over the years. And it's, uh, it's a super, super great thing. And it's, uh, and especially with what's going on right now with the, you know, we'd often don't get, we get very siloed and, and don't realize, cause like right now it's not hurricane season here in Florida, but it is cyclone season in other, in other parts of the world. So it's, it's very easy for us to lose sight of those things. And, Without organizations like Yachty Global and the work of Mark and Zoran and all the hundreds and thousands of, of volunteers that you guys have working with you, thank you so very much and for what you do. Point. And and USSA has been a proud um, supporter of you guys for many years. And uh, whatever we can do to help, um, we'll be you know continuing to help spread the word about all your tremendous efforts. And go to yachtaidglobal.org. ORG and um, make a donation today. I think it would be a, a really great help to um, to support our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, quick question for both of you, uh, Mark and Zorn. Uh, frustration point. What what what's your frustration point in Yacht Global? And by that I mean, what is there? If you had that little magic wand that comes with your daughter's princess outfit. I know this because we've got daughters and we get many of them. Uh, if you had that little magic wand and you could wave it, what's the one thing that you would wish for that you think this would be such a big step, this would be such a major help uh, to Yachty Global and what we do? This is one of our frustrations. Uh, Mark, if I could ask you first, uh, do, do you see any frustration points? And if they are, what is it? What's your, your primary one? That is a very... A good question. I've never thought about that question before because uh, we are always charging forward, fi finding solutions to everything that's in front of us. Typical uh, super yacht kind of mentality, right? There's there's always a solution. You just make it happen. Yeah, it's reaction. For me, I would say that it's actually boats that are out cruising into these remote areas. So when you look at these communities that we're talking about, that we're helping, whether it's disaster relief, conservation, or humanitarian projects. These are isolated communities that are literally giving us of their land, their sea, and their spirit to host us. Mm -hmm. And for boats to not engage in some manner to leave that community better than when they arrived, that's a frustration. And I would say that that a small percentage of cruising superiors actually engage in some manner to leave it better than they found it. Very well. So that's, that would be my frustration, but it's not. But it's not really a frustration because 
we're running a thousand miles an hour doing what we do and it's working. Yeah. No, I, I remember t talking with Captain Jimmy Blee, who does uh, a lot with um, Papua New Guinea in, in, in bringing people there, and also uh, Dr. Andy Lewis, and they both said the same kind of thing um, in that they they try to encourage or they wish you know, boats that go and visit, they encourage them to leave it a better place, be it through a donation or mm -hmm. or some sort of help. Uh, Zoran, for you, what would your your frustration point that you'd like to wish away? <laughs> Um, gosh, I think, you know, if, if somebody thinks of this like somebody else's problem, um, you know, many of these smaller communities, they get easily overwhelmed because they're so small, remote, and there's nobody else sometimes that can help assist with solving some of these issues. So the, the feeling or thought, well, somebody else will help out, um, that somebody else is often myself, me, us. it stops with me, us. Um, so, so every one of us can step up and do something. And, and uh, underlying frustration there is that these activities that the yachts can perform build stronger, more resilient communities. It's not a handout of sorts. It, it helps them to be more resilient. So as we face global challenges, they can continue to be there for us, and we're going to be there for them. Awesome. And uh, that brings us nicely to the end of our hour. So for people who want to know more about Yachty Global or get involved or donate, they can go to yachtaidglobal.org. And, and then there's a donate button there. It makes it very simple and very, very easy. And just so, so to clarify, Mark, that is that uh, you guys are a – an actual formed legal charity organization. Yes, we are. We are a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Right. Company. I just wanted. To, I just wanted to clarify that out there for people, um, and those of you that don't have the pleasure of having known Mark for a number of years, this man can squeeze a hundred dollars out of ten. So uh, he he puts the right people in place to make it happen. So your donations will be well taken care of and utilized to their absolute maximum yeah. de degree. So, <laughs> you know they uh, remind me of, Kitty? They remind me of, and this is an aging thing. Uh, Zoran, you probably won't know what I'm talking about. Thunderbirds. Do you remember Thunderbirds? Yes. Uh, yes. I, I always think of Yachting Global. We've had many conversations. We've been very fortunate to have um, representatives of Yachting Global on the station over the years. And I always come away from it remembering, you know, thinking of uh, associating with, with Thunderbirds, that kind of international rescue thing. And, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great that we as a community tend to have boats in that area and that we have Yachty Global who can organize, uh, put in the logistics and, and mobilize to get um, really first aid into that country, be it through food, resources, tools, rescue, uh, triage, whatever. Everything. Um, so an incredible thing, Mark. Uh, you must be very proud of yourself for for having the inspiration to do this. And it's... Um, it really, it's well, as, as, as Zoran said, it's... Yeah, as Zoran said, it's, it's not us. It's, it's we. We, the Super community, have created this. Yeah, I, the idea that. I agree with you, Mark. Absolutely, it's we. Well, you... <laughs> Um, but there was one moment when it was just me with an idea, and, uh, and I thank right. you for that. So, 
thank you for all you, oh, thank you. Mark uh, Zoran and your team does uh, on behalf of uh, the community and those who benefit from you. Uh, absolutely fantastic work, overwhelming. And, um, you know, us as a station, if we can ever be of help, we, of course, are here for you. I think that's all we can uh, squeeze into this hour. A pleasure. What do you think, Kitty? Yeah, it's zoomed right by. My goodness. You see how Thank you, Kitty. Thank you, Dave. See when Maeve's not here? How quick it goes and how better the questions (laughs) are and how less bruised my legs are from being kicked under the table. Exactly. Uh, Zoran and and Mark, thank you so much for for joining us today and and helping spread the message. And uh, we'll be uh, continuing to help spread. And we're, as as Dave said, we're always standing by to help um, in any ways we can as well. So thank you all and uh, have a great rest of your day at wherever you are in the world and a great weekend. Yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe, Wear stay mask, well, stay and uh, do all the COVID responsible things. And, and uh, USSuperYacht.com uh, is always a good resource to find anything you might need in all things yachting. So uh, we're standing by. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks Take so care, much, guys. guys. Take care. Bye bye. And uh, and thank you, listeners, for being with us on another update. USSA, Kitty McGowan, you take care of yourself, my love. I'll and do my best. All right. Have a great one. Thanks, Dave. This has been Update right. USSA with the wonderful, the beautiful, the fantastic and enigmatic Kitty McGowan and friends. And, uh, and of course, myself, Dave. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. Radio.